The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. better get healthy and help animals welcome to main street vegan with your host victoria moran sometimes it's all about family and friends and where you grew up and what you ate when you were growing up we carry those memories, those smells and textures with us into adult life wherever we go. And when we change the way we eat, we don't want to change everything about the way we eat. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Hi, everybody. I am Victoria Moran, your host of the Main Street Vegan Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today. We are going to talk about family in the second half of the hour when Marissa Miller-Wolfson, co-author of The Vegucated Family Table, producer of the documentary, you probably saw it, Vegucated, wonderful classic, vegan how-to, wonderful story documentary, will be joining us. But right now, I am so excited uh, to be sharing with you someone who is a new friend of mine, brand new, and that is Mrs. Goldfarb. Now, are we on very formal terms? Well, not exactly, but that's how she's known as the founder of the Unreal Deli. Yes, you saw her on the Shark Tank, Jenny Goldfarb comes from over 100 years of family deli history. She created unreal corned beef as a response to the New York style deli she craved but could no longer enjoy once she became vegan. Now, after Mark Cuban offered her more than double what she asked on Shark Tank, Unreal Deli now appears on the shelves of major grocery stores and on the menus of delis and restaurants all over the place with more growth and more products around the corner. Welcome, Mrs. Goldfarb. Thank you so much for that beautiful introduction, Victoria. Well, it's so wonderful to have you here. I'm just excited about the the spirit of of these foods. So start from the very beginning and what got you to bring your good cooking out of your kitchen and into the world? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll roll back just a little bit further, which brings me to my entire childhood and young adult life where I ate everything, meat, dairy, fish, all the things. And then about 
six or seven years ago. I'm now, I just turned 39 last weekend, and uh, I have a few children. And so it was about six, seven years back. I was a young mother, and I started seeing videos just from one friend on Facebook showing what's going on in these factory farms, including on happy, organic, you know, kosher, this, that, whatever you think may be better than factory farms. And it all broke my heart to smithereens. And after it broke my heart, I really left feeling like I was duped, like I was taken for a ride to even think that this was normal, think that this was healthy. And so I I approached my very meat and potatoes husband and I said to him, I want to try going plant-based. And he was very nervous because he knew I didn't really know my way that much around a regular kitchen, let alone a plant-based kitchen. And so it was a real learning curve. But after a while, I figured things out, and I figured out how to make my meat and potatoes husband happy and my young toddlers. And it also came to my attention that there were a lot of ways to make veggies yummy, and there were a lot of good plant-based burgers on the market, but I couldn't satisfy my deli craving. I grew up the great-granddaughter of a deli owner, and my father and grandfather were, even though it wasn't their profession, uh, corned beef, pastrami, good turkey, Uh, All all of these meats were very much in my lineage, latent in me even as I became vegan. And I said to myself at some point, I want to come up with a really good corned beef slash pastrami just for my own palate, just to enjoy for my own family. And when I made this recipe, uh, friends, family said it was just so extraordinary that they wouldn't even know it wasn't real meat, and they said you should try and make a food business out of this. But I knew nothing about the food business. Well, you do now. I <laughs> so now. then what happened? So after that, uh, I finally got the gumption to reach out to some friends in the veg community here where I live in Los Angeles and say, do you know anyone who has a food business or knows anything about the vegan food world? And I was introduced to a lovely woman and her partner. And when I met with them, I brought them sandwiches. And I said, what do you think I could do with this? And they said, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, I'd love to try making it and selling it. And they said, well, we have a tiny commercial kitchen here for 25 bucks an hour. You can rent it. So I rented it, and I cooked it myself, and I washed the dishes. And in the days I didn't do that, after I dropped my kids at preschool, I would drive around Los Angeles to try and sell the big New York-style Jewish delis here in Los Angeles. And I'd walk in the door with my sandwich and ask for the manager, and Eight or nine times out of ten, they would say, yes, we need this. We don't have stuff like this. And many of them admitted to me, we haven't put a new item on our menu in maybe a 100 years, and we need this. So once we started selling and getting reorders and getting on their permanent menu uh, in these various delis, we got into about a half a dozen to start. Uh, following that, I got the attention of Whole Foods, and when I say got the attention, I mean I emailed them 200 times every week, and they finally wrote me back. And they said, we'd love to make a pre-made sandwich for our 58 stores here in their southern Pacific region. And that gave me enough gumption to then apply for Shark Tank. Shall well, I continue for you? <laughs> that's what everybody wants to hear about. I'm sure you're asked it all the time. But how, what was that process, and how did it feel? Pardon, pardon my little doggy here, you know, COVID That's time. Right. The children, the animals, everyone's on top of everyone. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so Shark Tank was for sure the most exhilarating experience of my life. The application process was very stringent and detailed and deep. Uh, there must have been 
50-page applications, like a handful of them, handwritten, and uh, all sorts of background checks, everything you could imagine. Then finally, one casting director to the next, I got on the show, and it was honestly easy. I don't know how else to explain that. I mean, I, I came in knowing that I had all the goods. I had an exciting thing. I was doing it from the right place in my heart, loving animals and wanting to help shake things up in this industry. Um, I only had $10,000 in revenues, which is like a complete joke for Shark Tank. People are on that show with like $4 million in revenues, and they don't get deals. So I knew I wasn't coming on with a lot of history or actual revenues, but we had something exciting, and I, and I went in with that composure. And, you know, uh, actually I'd met a couple of entrepreneurs right before the show aired, and one of them had his, air date, his, his show date before mine. And so I, I said to him, can you tell me, how do I prepare? What do I do? What are they going to say to me? And he said, you have two kids and a baby. Have your baby crying while your kids are fighting and have your husband ask you financial questions. And if you can answer those, you'll be fine in the tank. <laughs> so I prepared <laughs> a little bit like that. Um, I knew it was kind of going to be a little bit of mayhem and that I had to kind of own the room and figure out, you know, who I wanted to answer what and work things that way. And so... With that, I, I went in there and I gave it my all, and uh, you know, it started off with a big pitch where I gave this like partially thick New York accent, and and then I went into like, but then I moved to sunny Los Angeles and I became vegan, and anyway, uh, I wound up getting more than double the cash I was asking for, as you said, in an incredible moment there with Mark Cuban, and. Uh, there was a due diligence process for about two months after the show because the sharks know nothing about you when you go on. Uh, they have to then verify everything you said in your segment there is, is factually correct. And so once we got past that, we got our, our first funding. And this that brought us to about January or so of, of one year ago. And we started getting really, really big in restaurants, several different 20, 30, 50 chain restaurants, even Quiznos, that old sub-chain got our attention. We got their attention, and they did a test of ours in, uh, in their Denver and Seattle locations, and it was going so well that they said, we want to do a big North American expansion in April. <laughs> 27,000 pounds was going to be the first order. And then, of Woo! course, we all know what would happen in March of last year, and that whole program mm -hmm. got put on ice. And so we realized we needed to pivot fast to stay relevant, to meet the customers where they were, which is when we came out with our first retail packaging and we came out with our second item, Unreal Roasted Turkey, which is hands down the best plant-based turkey out there. And we're now adding a third item, which is our Unreal Steak Slices. We actually set out to make a roast beef, and it came out so high quality that when we started sharing it with people, they were like, it's more steaky than roast beef. And so uh, that's going to be coming out real soon. Yeah. That That is so exciting. I was just telling you before the show, when I told my husband that you were going to have steak, he just looked <laughs> like, you know, the the seas parted. It was it was a wonderful thing for him. We're from Kansas City, Missouri, so oh, wow. no matter how long we've been vegan, there is still something in that kind of idea of something that tastes like steak. So that is incredibly exciting. So you mentioned that the pandemic kind of put the stop on certain things temporarily what's it been like to just get started it's like you're shot out of a can and nothing can stop you and then something happens that pretty much put the world on hold how's it affected you so it not only happened with regard to business whereby our restaurant partners were shuttering and you know sales were flatlining for us with our food service which is restaurant partners there we were also in some arenas partly thanks to mark cuban and uh 
And then, but at the same time that happened, my father, who's an integral part of my business, uh, he actually was a former entrepreneur, and I like to say gave me a lot of the chutzpah to start any of this in the first place. He became so sick with COVID that he oh, was in no. a hospital. On, he was in a hospital on a ventilator for 28 days, and doctors kept telling my mom and all of us that he's not going to make it. We need a plan for a hospice. All the worst. And then, like a complete miracle would have it, he wound up getting a plasma donation, which turned everything around. Like in the in the last moment, we got him back with us, which was incredible. Oh my so, goodness. I remember the same week I found out that the Quiznos big launch for North America was on hold. My father went into the hospital, and I remember thinking to myself, gee, if I could only have the problems that I had on Monday versus the problems I now have on Friday you know, with my dad. So, so anyway, he wound up recovering truly miraculously, and so uh, I've never been more appreciative to have my family be alive, hold on to these moments, uh, but... Um, but now we also have our business very much back on track. Uh, we're going to be launching this year in what's going to look like at least 2,000 grocery locations. We're already in uh, several hundred and, and many more coming. In fact, I know you're in the New York area. We've already shipped product to Wegmans. They're going to be placing Ooh. it on shelves in 75 stores next week. And we're going to be taking over the whole retail industry. with, uh, And what's really exciting is that a lot of them are putting us our retail packages on shelves, and many are looking to put us our, our food service, which are our larger pack sizes, into the deli department. So if there are pre-made, if there are sandwiches getting made in the delis or if you buy it by the pound. So we feel just a real overwhelming, you know, uh, sense of joy when we consider how many different places of the store we can actually wind up. I mean, it's it's just utterly thrilling. So for people who are listening who have some little business idea yeah. on the back burner that they're thinking maybe could be a big business idea, what would you say to them? So what I what I say is like start the way I started where you make it yourself basically and you go into your local X, whatever that is. For me it was the local Jewish deli. I met a woman at a party recently and she said to me, I make the when I say recently, I mean before COVID, whenever we used to have parties, whatever those things even were. And she said to me, I make the world's best vegan cotija cheese. I said to her, take that cheese to every little Mexican joint you can find and, and, and try and get it in, get it on the menu, tell your friends to go buy it there, and then, and then you can sell the next guy, you know, the next bigger guy to that. Because Whole Foods isn't going to talk to you unless you have, you know, 10 Mexican places taking it and loving it, you know. So, so starting small and... Uh, and to just bring all the enthusiasm and love you have for your item, you know, when you walk into that first little establishment, and uh, and that that excitement is infectious, and people want to be around that, and they want to buy you just as much as they want to buy what you're making. So uh, put love into it, and 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 put put your all into it. So uh, oh. that's kind of where I would say to start. Well, you've certainly got that. It's amazing to me. You know, we're we're just talking across a country um, and uh, uncamered, but just voice. You've got the love and enthusiasm, and that's not something that anybody can fake. That's pretty special stuff. So when you're thinking about your customer, do you kind of visualize who this person is? And what, what do you want them to leave with after they've tried your product? What a nice question. Um, yeah, so we have been thinking, I'm actually growing our marketing department now, and so it's come up like, who's your avatar, which is like, you know, the different kinds of, you know, quintessential customers you might have. So I've had to put some time thinking into this recently, and uh, and it seems like, you know, of course we have like what we consider like our lowest hanging fruit, people who are already vegan, maybe vegetarian, 
Apparently, 70% of the globe is now trying to cut down on their meat impact, so we honestly feel like this is for everybody. And my hope is that folks can cut down on that impact without really feeling it, okay, that they can, you know, eat the things that they love without really knowing all of the, you know, feeling like they're missing out on anything, you know, in, in terms of what they're eating, but also that they don't even have to even know the details of how horrific the other deli meats are to produce. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so that's, that's kind of my hope uh, is that, you know, we can just make people happy. You know, we say love and deliciousness is what we're all about. It, it came up recently if we should be posting on different political issues, and it was like, no, we, we, don't, we, we just want to share the, the good food and make people happy. That's, that's really yeah. the bottom line. Yeah. I love it. So <laughs> I know your products are kosher, correct? Yes, they and are, and yeah. tell us about that. Tell us what it means for people who don't understand and particularly what it means in in the the vegan world because I think yeah. people are a little bit confused. We kind of think anything vegan is kind of kosher but not completely. Right. So clarify. So interesting. Yeah, so I grew up Jewish, really not observant at all. Like I like to say Seinfeld's and bagels Jewish because I knew nothing about my Judaism, but in college, I started learning more, and I actually spent a year living in Jerusalem, really learning about my heritage and a lot of the mystical teachings of Judaism and all this. And what's so interesting is that in kosher laws, meat and milk are separated. You cannot eat them together. And so what's the real reason for that is because they're actually considered very toxic. And so the rabbis knew this thousands of years ago, that they, couldn't even, that they should not be together. And so what's exciting about our meat for the kosher world is that for someone who eats dairy, not myself, not that I advocate that, but they could put a slice of dairy cheese on our meat and feel like they're eating, you know, a really, uh, like, like a sandwich that technically isn't kosher, like a sinful sandwich almost, if you will. And so we we're actually introducing like the world's first kosher Reuben sandwich for that reason, and uh, you know, and a turkey sandwich with a slice of cheese on it for that reason. So, so it's exciting to the kosher world to get this, and we're actually going to be soon getting into a lot of kosher markets. Um, and uh, yeah, it just seemed like a really natural thing. My last name is Goldfarb. You can't really hide from that. And so we figured, let's just embrace it. Let's go, go full kosher. It looks like we may be serving Israel soon enough. And uh, yeah, we're very excited about having that segment. Absolutely. And so does your food have to be certified by a rabbi or is being vegan enough when it's all plant-based? So it depends what Jew you ask. Oh. <laughs> and, uh, and so I, I certainly look at all fully plant-based food like it's more than kosher. But, uh, but to someone who maybe strictly keeps Shabbat or is more orthodox, they would want to actually see that stamp on there. And I'll just tell you specifically what that stamp has implied is uh, the rabbis had, has said to, have said to us that uh, at the facility there's also some dairy and nuts, but dairy more so is produced at the facility. And so we needed to then get separate coverings for the table so that even the table would not even be on the same, the product wouldn't even be on the same table, even though fully cleaned, of course, as a dairy item. So, uh, so it's really, really kept like at a complete distance. So we know that, that it's like fully kosher and what's known as parv, which kind of means neutral in the kosher world. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Well, you have got all the bases covered. I'm just so uh -huh. excited to, to get out with my mask on and... <laughs> Get to a Wegmans and, and get some, some of these amazing products. So what's a message that you have for vegans out there in the world? What, what should we be doing besides eating good food? Mm. 
Well, I want to thank them for being vegan and for waking up from the slumber that uh, the mainstream, whatever, world news, whatever you want to call it, has kind of got us under, you know, the medical establishment, whatever it is, you know, uh, the USDA. Uh, so, so I really feel thankful that there's like an army of us that's growing, that's bigger every day, that's more vocal every day, and that, uh, and that we're changing things in the world, you know. I mean, I want, of course, my products to succeed, but I, wanna, I want us to be able to feed the whole world on these vegan products. And so I want to see other brands, similar brands, different brands, all, all, all succeed and come out and, and really grow and flourish because I do believe we need to feed the entire globe on this kind of food. And so tell us a little bit about what goes into your products. I know you said vital wheat gluten is the main thing for now for for most of the meatiness of the products, and you have some other yeah. things in the works. So what's, what we love about our products is that we get to say that they are all made with whole vegetables and protein-rich grains. You mentioned that protein-rich grain is the vital wheat gluten. So just to break down what that is, because Gluten, of course, does not, is not the sexiest term these days, but what vital wheat gluten is, it's the protein part of the wheat grain. So it's very high in protein and very low in carbs. If you have celiac disease, I'm sorry you can't eat it, but for anyone else, please enjoy this uh, based on that. Uh, our corned beef contains beets, chickpeas, and tomatoes on top of a little soy sauce, a little maple syrup. I mean, every ingredient, you read the, these labels, they are not only proudly pronounceable, but they can be bought at your local store. Uh, in the turkey, we have um, white beans, onions, and celery as like our star vegetables. And then in the steak slices, so far we have a, I think it's going to be a red lentil and just a lot of other beautiful ingredients, including mushroom powder. And uh, anyway, yeah, that, that's the general lineup of the three meats right now. And how concerned are you about this being really healthy? You know, it, it has a lot of protein. It is a complete protein because of the protein-rich vegetables that are in it, uh, mixing with the protein-rich grains. I feel like it is rather healthy. It's definitely much better than anything that's out there in terms of tofurkey or eaves or anything like that, which are typically a lot of just powders, basically, that are, that are put into it in tofu. So, um, so, yeah, between being a complete protein, having a lot of protein, it has vitamins in it, uh, I might not eat it seven days a week, but I'll, I'm certainly happy to eat it three or so days a week. And uh, and I, I think the deliciousness speaks for itself. But um, but as far as these meats go, it's definitely the healthiest of what's out there. And what do you look for? I mean, for for people that don't have the culinary gene and couldn't even imagine where to start, is it about quality ingredients? What really makes a fabulous vegan food product? I would say get really familiar with the vegan chefs that have cookbooks that are out there, and that's what I did. So once you have a lot of that familiarity, I think you can then grow and say, all right, I like what they did here. I want to take this in that and that in that direction. And then you can start to really play with it. It was actually a cookbook that Miyoko's had where she talked about a recipe for these ribs. And I said, aha, vital wheat gluten mixed with this and this. Okay, let me get the... Let me get the seasoning, the brine that's used in traditional corned beef, and then I'm going to marry that with this. And that's kind of how this came to life. Well, I think it's it's a beautiful, beautiful marriage. So tell us about your family life now that you're at the helm of a business that is really going places. Yeah, thank you. So, um, so I have three children, three daughters. They are... 
seven, eight, and 18 months. I have a real baby. When I started growing this whole business, when I was talking about renting the kitchen and starting to sell to those original delis, I was all with the bun in the oven. (laughs) And then when I was on Shark Tank, I had a a two-and-a-half-month-old. So just know that all of this can be done, even in quarantine, even with young children around. Um, Thankfully, I have a nanny who helps me with the baby for a lot of her waking hours. But... uh, but, yeah, it's intense. Of course, the kids are now still in California are home from school, so there's a lot going on at all times. But, honestly, I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, it's so wonderful to have all this beautiful life blossoming around me while we're growing this beautiful business. So it's just a balancing act, and I'm trying to do it as you know joyfully and easily as I can. Yeah, I love that idea of life blossoming around you. That makes everything just come full circle. So the product, everybody, the product line is Mrs. Goldfarb's Unreal Deli. And you can go to unrealdeli.com, Facebook and Instagram, Unreal Deli. So you can find out what's going on with the company, where the products are. And I'll bet you've got some recipes there for us too. What's the best thing to put on a corned beef sandwich? Yeah, so uh, uh, just such a natural, immediate hit is that Reuben. Uh, We love uh, the provolone cheese from Violife. I say get some caramelized onions on there. Obviously, some sauerkraut if that's your jam, if not coleslaw, and uh, a good Russian dressing. Um, There are are some recipes out there with like eight or nine ingredients, which is amazing, but even a simple vegan mayo ketchup and... uh, and relish will get you there. So, uh, and make sure to toast that bread. Toast the bread or even grill it a little bit on some vegan butter and you're really set up for major success. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel like I'm on the Lower East Side, even though it's a pandemic and I'm stuck uptown, but <laughs> one Aww. of these days. And finally, do you cook? Do you, do you make dinner and stuff? It seems like you're around food all the time. You know, it's rarer than it used to be, and it's definitely a joke in the food world when you start a food business and you're really working it. You're just not cooking anymore. So uh, last night I made amazing club sandwiches with my turkey. Uh, there's a lot of takeout that goes on, admittedly, uh, vegan takeout, of course, but, um, but I'm, I'm working on it, on uh, figuring out how to integrate some quick meals with, uh, with all the other wonderful things that are flying around my house. Oh, it just sounds beautiful. Uh It sounds like there's a little bit of that love and excitement of your life and the time of life that you're in with your family that's going into some of this amazing food. So what is your absolute number one favorite Mrs. Goldfarb's Unreal Deli dish? Um. So there's something that, uh, that that's not like a totally classic thing that I happen to love very much. It's something 14 that you'll seconds. actually find. Okay, fine. It's in the Jewish world. You'll see it, and it's called a deli roll. And basically what it is is puff pastry laid out where you put whatever of the deli meats you want, the corned beef, the turkey, and then a little bit of sauce, mustard, Russian, and then you roll that up, and then you bake that, and it's like little pinwheels. And Anyway, they're flaky, and they're meaty, and they're amazing. I love it. Unreal Deli. (laughs) And everybody else, stay with us. We'll be back and feed some kids. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. Welcome to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world.
Welcome back to Main Street Vegan with your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. How wonderful to have you with us today. If you're a new listener, please check out our website, MainStreetVegan.net, where there's all sorts of exciting things going on. Uh, If you're not new, you know that I'm the director of Main Street Vegan Academy, and that means if you're a vegan and you want to take your outreach to the next level, even to the professional level, uh, you can get yourself certified as a vegan lifestyle coach and educator. You used to have to come to New York City to do that, but now we're on Zoom. We have our next class uh, starting February 21st, so do check that out at MainStreetVegan.net. Lots of other things happening in March. There's going to be a Yoga Goes Vegan event, so if you're into yoga, you want to be sure and be around for that. And in April, the Compassion Consortium is starting. That is a spiritual home or second home uh, for vegans and pre-vegans and people who care about animals, and maybe they feel that that's just not quite being addressed the way they would like it to be in their spiritual tradition. And so we're going to be there with a Zoom service every month and lots of support in between. So you can check all that stuff out at MainStreetVegan.net. And it is now my pleasure to introduce someone I have known for a while. I don't like to say old friend, but longtime <laughs> friend. And I'm so, so proud that she is Marisa Miller Wolfson. Actually, she was on for our little Christmas party in in December when we were celebrating um, the wonderful Veg News uh, Guide to Being a Fabulous Vegan with uh, Jasmine Singer and um, uh, Colleen uh, from Veg News. Uh, and now Marisa is here on her own because, Yay. oh my gosh, she's doing amazing things in the world. Um, you know her as the creator of the award-winning documentary, Vegucated, that tells the story of three New Yorkers that she found on Craigslist who go vegan for six weeks. And now she has a wonderful book out called The Vegucated Family Table, Irresistible Vegan Recipes and Proven Tips for Feeding Plant-Powered Babies, Toddlers, and kids, and I do believe that since Vegucated, she's had a couple of those. Welcome, Marisa Miller Wolfson. Thank you so much for having me on. You have been an inspiration for me, not just as a vegan activist, but as a vegan parent. Um, I mean, you're one of the OGs who, I mean, just paved the way for the rest of us in this space. So thank you for that. And also thank you for your support um, I in sharing some of Adair's stories, your daughter Adair's stories growing up vegan, um, which was really insightful. Um, so it's wonderful to have such a great vegan mom activist role model. And it's really an honor to be on your show. Oh, Marisa, thank you so much. So let's just get back to the beginning. What made you think that uh, other moms needed a book like this? Because this mom needed a book like this. (laughs) I remember when I was coming to the point where my first child needed to start solid food. I, um, you know, I love bookstores and I'm addicted to cookbooks. Um, And I went to 
um, my local bookstore, and I just perused all the books, um, baby toddler food books, and there was nothing for vegans. Um, there sometimes was a page about vegetarian uh, nutrition, and it would say, talk to your doctor, right, as if the doctors um, had more than four hours of nutrition in medical school. Um, and they'd say, well, vegetarian, you know, you can do, but vegan is really hard, and, it, you know, talk to your doctor or whatever. And so, and you know, just knowing what I know and knowing that uh, vegan children are still our same species, <laughs> they're just small, um, I knew it was possible and that it was, you know, safe and everything. So I had kind of perused all these blogs and I talked to other vegan parents who had gone before and I said, well, what are you doing for this and what are you doing for that? And then I was posting what I was feeding my kid and, and then parents would come to me and say, oh, what are you doing? And mine's picky, you know, da, da. and we would just exchange notes and I finally was like, this is ridiculous. Somebody really needs to write the book for starting little people out um, on vegan nutrition. And it was one of those moments where I was like, well, I guess I can do it. <laughs> so I did. And a lot of work. I think you found it was just a lot of work to write this. It this is a is. very high quality book. You know, people lots well, of times say, oh, yeah, I've been blogging for years and I put it all together in a book. It's like, no, no, no. That's that's something. And it has pages this is a book, and it is gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I mean, just the proposal in and of itself, well, the whole process, and you were kind enough to help me, you know, walk through getting an agent and all of that. Um, but, yeah, the proposal itself took a couple of years. Um, but, as you know, the proposal is so much of the work, you, you just have, then you have your outline and you can go from there. And the real um, win, the real victory for us was getting Reed Mangles on board. She's a registered dietitian and nutrition professor um, at, well, she was at UMass. Um, and she wrote two of the position papers for the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics um, on you know, vegetarian and vegan diets for the whole life cycle. And she wrote this um, vegan, everything vegan pregnancy book, which was my Bible uh, when I was pregnant. And so she wrote the health chapter and then she even did some little blurbs, as you can see in there, um, on almost every recipe, you know, it'll say, oh, this one serving provides this amount of whatever nutrient that a uh, you know four to eight year old or a one to one to three year old you know needs in a day, and so just having her um, made such a difference in terms of um, giving us credibility and also giving parents the confidence to know like oh yeah this isn't just this isn't just food I mean this is all really nutrient dense good stuff. Mm, it is indeed, and it's so darn pretty. I mean, obviously, <laughs> your food stylist and photographer were yeah, I amazing. Am so but the food, you know, the food and, is know, just really pretty food, anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't do food pictures or food photography, so I don't have that blogging background. And so when I was on set with Laura Delhauer, who's my lovely co-author, um, we were just blown away by the whole process and how beautiful they made the food look. And um, we even had little... Um, little models, right, for the various 
parts, you know, little babies and then older kids and things. And, um, and that was really fun too. And what was surprising to us, cause they weren't vegan, they were just, you know, models. Um, they loved the food. So that was such a wonderful stamp of approval for these totally not vegan kids to really like this, like quote unquote weird vegan food. It was awesome. Oh, that's so cool. And you have such a variety of food. I was just leafing through and, and found kitchery, which of course isn't spelled like kitchery, K-H-I-C-H-D-I. How does anybody get kitchery out of that? Oh, is it, but is because, it kitchery? Is that, I thought it was kitchdi. Oh my gosh. I don't even know how to pronounce it. <laughs> well, I mean, I've been studying Ayurveda and they call it kitchery oh. and that may just be an American adaptation. I'm not sure. I just okay. know that probably four times a week I make kitchery of some sort. And for anybody that's, that's not familiar, you know, it, it's basically rice and split lentils or split mung beans, some wonderful spices, and whatever kind of vegetables you want to put in there. And it sounds like, okay, that's boring. Oh, no. It's it always different. It's always amazing. And you've done it in this cool way for toddlers where you make it little yeah. thumb sizes. Well, so that's not even my idea. So Pulin Modi, um, uh, you might know Cal Penn, the actor Cal Penn. He was in the White Castle movies. Um, his brother, Poulin, um, and I, he worked at PETA, and he and I used to do some fur, anti-fur stuff and other other activism together. And we just kind of stayed in touch, and he has two kids. And I said, Poulin, what do you, you know, what do you feed your kids? And he said, well, they love this, you know, um, and which is an Indian comfort food. And I tried it. And Victoria, I've never made good Indian food in my home. Never, ever, ever. But this never fails. I mean, it mm -hmm. is delicious and it blows me away every time I make it. <laughs> yeah, it, it never fails. So let's just say what your seasonings are here. You've got the onion in there, the diced red onion, and then you have turmeric, cumin, and coriander. And the reason I kind of paused there with C-U-M-I-N is I've been having discussions with people on how you're supposed to say it. Oh, I, there, do, do you have an insider scoop on that? No, I say cumin, but... And I, I think that's, that's the UK way, and I think the US way is supposed to be cumin, but somehow I heard cumin, so I'd been saying it like that for years, which was just really not right. But it's just so good. Funny. Oh, <laughs> However yes. we say it. But you've got that. You've got a couple of kinds of mac and cheese. Mm -hmm. And I just think of all the years that I didn't know we could have mac and cheese. Right. And now it's everywhere. Now it's now I, I even have a whole mac and cheese book. Who wrote that? I'm trying to remember. But I have a whole mac and cheese book. Um, ours is called Mac-O-Lantern and Cheese for the older kids because um, it's got pumpkin in there. Um, and my kids love it. That is their mac and cheese. Yeah. You know, and it's nice so that, you know, I, when I think of mac and cheese, I think of Kraft, you know, macaroni and cheese dinner. And it, there's like hardly, and, and is there anything healthy in that? I don't even know. I don't even think so. But, you know, it's nice that, my kids, when they're older, they can look back and their comfort food is going to be this pumpkin nooch based, you know, mac and cheese. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah. And I am going to make your um, nacho cashew cheese sauce on Sunday, 
when my husband watches the Super Bowl. I'm oh, not a sports nice. fan. I don't really understand it, but I can cook for it. And so, I'm just like you. I don't. I don't understand football. I like commercials. The halftime show is fun, but I still. I'm 44, and I don't even know how football works. Well, it it has it has a ball, and some of the players are now vegan. So, yeah, that's all that we care about. That's enough. So, tell us about your kids. How old are they? And what do they like to eat? And how do they feel about being vegan? What do you hear from them? Oh, great question. So my older son is Gabriel, and he's eight. Um, and then I, my daughter is five. Um, her name is Emmy. Um, she's more private, so I don't really go on too much about her. She's she's really much her, very much her own person, and she likes to keep things private. So I'm going to respect that. But um, my my son is very much like me. He's kind of an open book, and he wants to talk about everything to everyone. <laughs> and he's like, Mommy, post this. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, anyway, he is, let's see, what do they like to eat? Um, his favorite is in here. It's called Gabriel's Green Sauce, and it's, when he couldn't say ours, it was green sauce or pesto. It's basically a, it's a basil cilantro pesto made with almonds instead of pine nuts and lots of nooch. And he asked for that tonight. So we're going to make that tonight. They do like the lantern and cheese. You know, they're just your standard kind of picky American children. I mean, I'm half German. My husband's British. But the only, the most British thing they like, I would say, is, you know, a nice jacket potato, they call them jacket potatoes, russet potatoes, <laughs> with some um, vegetarian Heinz just from the can. Couldn't be simpler for a weeknight for mommy to deal with. Um, you know, just jacket potato, a little bit of earth balance in there, um, baked beans on top. That is our go-to. Um, you know, mommy doesn't have time to cook meal. So they love that stuff. Um, my son loves this this spinach cashew sauce that goes on pizza. We have a spelt crust recipe in there that was submitted by this vegan mom named Aqua Joy. Um, I should tell you, like, we have recipes in there that are tried and true favorites from 22 different vegan parents. So it wasn't, you know, because every family eats a little bit differently. So we, we were like, oh, let's grab, you know, some favorites. So that one, I've, you know, some of my other kids' favorites have become my kids' favorites. Aww. And in terms, yeah, and in terms of being vegan, I mean, um, they, this is what they know. I mean, I'm sure that's how it was with the dare where it just was like, that's what we know. This is how we live. And, um, my son is really happy because his school has been very, well, they're both, their school has been very supportive. Um, and even though they're the only vegan kid in class, the teachers make all of the food that's served in the class vegan. Um, if it's, yeah, any kind of party or, or if someone brings, you know, a parent brings in something for their kid, then they let me know and I'll bring in something for mine. But, um, they're very, um, especially Gabriel is a very proud vegan kid and he loves animals and he loves the environment and he loves that he's part of the solution, you know, to Mm. so many of the world's problems every day. Oh, if only more adults could understand that. That's that's so powerful. I hope that he grows up and runs for office soon. Uh, I, know, I have heard I that there is a, a vegan default movement. Do you know about that? I think it's no. so fascinating. The idea that, yeah, not everybody's going to be vegan, but let's just make vegan the default. 
if when you go to the banquet or you ride the airplane or whatever it is, the, the main selection is going to be vegan. And then if you uh-huh. really, really need something else, yeah, you've got that option. Well, and, that, that makes sense. I mean, doesn't that just make intuitive sense? It makes so much sense, and it takes care of a lot of allergies and, and other problems. So, right. oh, if only we ran the world. So I know. I want to back up a little bit. So we're focusing, of course, on this beautiful book, The Veducated Family Table. So if you have a family, you need this book. If your family has grown up or if you haven't started one yet or if you just decided I'm not going to do that this life, doesn't matter. It's still great for you or certainly for people that you know who have children. Love it, love it, love it. But let's talk about Vegucated. <laughs> the movie has been out for a long time now and people still love it. And what do you hear from, from your um, people who tried vegan for a while? You mean the the film subjects? Yeah, the film subjects. The film subjects, yeah. So, um, yeah, gosh, our film came out, well, it'll be 10 years. Um, It'll be 10 years this year, actually. Wow. I know, I know. And, yeah, it's wonderful. We're, you know, I'm still getting feedback and emails and people, you know, tagging me in their anniversary. You know, it's so sweet. Um, but I'm really very proud of um, our three film subjects. The two that I'm most in touch with right now still are Brian and Tesla, although Ellen and I are still connected on um, on social media. Ellen is the, was the single mom, the working single mom in the story. Um, and then Tesla was a college student, and she ended up marrying um, her boyfriend in the film, at the end of the film, Harry. And they have a little daughter who is um, who they're raising, mostly vegetarian. Um, and yeah, and Tesla's, you know, she's she's fallen off the wagon a little bit here and there, but she always gets back on. Um, she told me that she sent an email where she said that she just fell off the wagon during COVID, was just kind of in a rut and kind of feeling bad, and then um, and then she got herself out of it again and is doing another vegan challenge. Um, but she tends to settle like mostly vegetarian. Um, over time. And then um, Brian, it's funny, after the film came out, he dated a girl who was vegetarian. So he was thought, you know what, I'm going to be vegetarian, not vegan. But then when the film came out, he was like, what am I doing? Of course, I'm vegan. He went vegan, then met again, and then met this gal who he ended up um, starting a family with. So he's got two kids himself and they're both both parents are vegan and both kids are vegan and he's out in California and they're doing great. They're oh, doing that's great. beautiful. So yeah. you and your husband were both vegan when you met, right? Now, David is mostly vegan. Um, he's more vegan now because of COVID than he ever has been before <laughs> because he has to eat my food pretty much. Um, but he's he's very active in the you know farm animal movement. He teaches animals and public policy at NYU, and he counsels a lot of the groups um, and is on some boards and things. But he's, um, oh, I'd say now he's probably 95, 98% vegan. And I I didn't realize that. I thought maybe, you know, he was more than you uh, <laughs> when well, you right, guys he's, met. Well, it's just so interesting to see. He's been in the space for longer see. than I have. But, yeah, yeah, that's how 
That's sort of he's less he allows more wiggle room, whereas I'm just very he calls me very consistent. <laughs> oh, well that that's sweet. Yeah, with with my husband, it was slow. He he went vegetarian very quickly and vegan took longer and once he did it, mm-hmm. he was very proud to be vegan and he actually let me photograph him with his two <laughs> wallets, his, his vegan wallets and and oh, get to cute. tell people that he was now vegan. But now he's gotten really active, you know, with with the animal side of things. It it makes me very proud because, you know, we all have to have some kind of passion in life. And I would be proud if his passion was, you know, something else. But I'm just so happy that now it's one we share. Makes it very special. Oh, that's beautiful. And that gives so many people hope, Victoria, you know, who they think, well, here I am, you know, this lonely vegan or whatever and I'm never going to meet another vegan guy well guess what (laughs) you can meet a guy and then slowly over time you know um, you kind of rub off on each other right and hopefully inspire the other one it does work out that way so do you cook a lot in your home do you cook with your kids or for your kids or is it more just so the idea of food is nice, but I don't deal with it too much. <laughs> okay, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, cooking for my children, I don't love because they're just so picky that I've just, they've forced me to be really creative and get kind of sneaky. Um, and it's funny when I was, before I was a parent, I said, well, I'm not, I'm going to have, I'm not going to tolerate a child who's a bully or who's a picky eater. Well, guess what? I don't have a bully but I do have two picky eaters and I don't know what to do about it. Other than that, I've read, you know, all the books and have tried all the tips. Um, and it just is what it is. It's called neophobia. You know, it's super, super, you know, normal, but, but because of that, um, just cooking is not what brings me the most joy. What brings me proper joy is baking and desserts and and it's no accident that our dessert section I think is the longest chapter in the book well I'm amazed that you're so good at that not that I don't think you couldn't do everything I'm amazed that anybody is good at that because I am so bad at it I mean I was bad before I was vegan (laughs) and even today I, I made this peanut butter quick bread that was a recipe of my mom's it's supposed to be really really easy but uh-huh. I thought I would be clever and put it in those little loaf pans not realizing you should bake it a lot less so it right. turned out really chewy and okay. William said after lunch I almost said to you, I think I can't eat this bread because I'll break a tooth. But then I realized if I soaked it in the soup, I'd be okay. (laughs) So that's kind of what happens whenever I bake. And I guess you get all kinds of compliments. Well, it offsets the, the commentary that I get on my cooking. So last night I made, um, oh, I was playing around with Bryant Terry's Animal Kingdom book. And I made this um, sunchoke rigatoni and I just overcooked the rigatoni, you know, and I just, and so it was, or no, I undercooked it and then I overcooked it and then I oversalted something. And I, so I am not, I'm not an amazing cook, but because I'm so motivated by sweets, I think I just work it out. (laughs) (laughs) That's lovely. You know, we we all have our gifts. (laughs) 
Yeah, and we all can. So I know you're very, very busy with your family and, and just exhaling after finishing this beautiful book. Are there more things on the horizon? Well, I should hope so. I mean, one thing, one small thing that I want to work on for um, maybe end of February, beginning of March, and then certainly Easter weekend, which is um, April 4th, April 3rd, 4th, is, you know, we're so connected with each other on social media. We know that the vegan movement is robust and thriving and growing. Our children are not on social media, at least our young children, and they just know their couple of vegan friends that they just happen to know or that you've introduced them to, but they don't have a sense of it, the movement and their place in it and that it's growing and exciting and great. So I'm planning these, um, I'm planning a massive vegan play date um, coming up probably beginning of uh, March, and then I'm, I'm planning biggest vegan egg like easter egg hunt ever um for easter weekend and it's just an at-home scavenger hunt but it's virtual and we'll it'll be on zoom you know so the parents get the clues of where to hide the little eggs or whatever vegan treats um and then um and then the kids go and look for them and then we're going to have you know sanctuary animals and games and prizes and um little you know little fun elements that will make um, the kids want to tune in and feel connected um, to other so they can see the other kids and feel connected to the community what a brilliant idea that is absolutely stunning. <laughs> and you do Thank take you. me back to long, long ago when, when I had a child that age. And yeah, Easter, Easter was one of those times. And Halloween was yeah. easier. <laughs> yes, Halloween but, is so many accidentally vegan things. But I mean, eggs are eggs and you have to do the plastic and, um, you know, and all of that. And, and did Adair have vegan uh, friends? Did she have many vegan friends? She had a couple of very close vegetarian friends who uh, whose mom was very good about her being vegan. So it worked even then, and it works a whole lot better now, largely thanks to people like you, Vegucated, the Vegucated family table. Thank you, Marisa Miller-Wolfson. Thanks, Unity Online Radio, and to all of our listeners, thank you. God bless you. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Intuition is our spiritual GPS and the single best tool that we have for navigating our lives. I'm Victoria Shaw, and on my Intuitive Connection podcast, I will share with you the ways to connect with your intuition and awaken the gifts of your soul. In each episode, I'll draw on my own intuitive gifts and my training as an Ivy League trained counselor and psychologist to help support you in reaching your highest potential. Start listening now on Mind Body Spirit FM Podcast Network or wherever you find your podcasts.